Hi, I'm Glenn Harper, CPA and owner of Harper & Company, CPAs Plus, and partner in Sula Consulting. In each episode, my co-host, Julie Smith, Harper & Company's practice manager and partner in Sula Consulting, and I will interview a different guest about their entrepreneurial journey. The podcast features interviews with business owners, aka entrepreneurs, who bring intriguing and entertaining clarity to the entire entrepreneurial journey, giving others confidence to build their business. Our goal is to provide actionable value to you, the entrepreneur, to help you do business or build a business. Every entrepreneur deserves to enjoy the journey. Learning from others offers valuable insight and inspiration. We want to provide insight on the why, the how, the shortcuts, and the value add that many entrepreneurs wish they would have had identified at the onset of their journey. Sit back and enjoy the journey. Hello again, everybody. Another edition of Empowering Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm Glenn Harper. Julie Smith. How's it going today? Sounds like you're a little tongue-tied today. I am. I don't know what the deal is, but the coffee should kick in any minute. Well, I see you're back on the Starbucks. I am, but I, you know, just this is the first one of the week, so I'm doing well. What is today? Thursday? That's great. Well, we've got a great show lined up for you today. We've got a, an incredible guest. I'm going to do my best on this introduction, and then uh, our man here is going to tell us if we nailed it or not. Um I'd like to introduce Eugene Gershman, a real real estate aficionado. If it involves real estate, he wants to explore and execute on it. He's the CEO of GIS Development and GIS Residential Construction. The companies do design, construction, development of real estate projects. A typical success story, LOL. He joined the family business and made it better. He's an obsessed entrepreneur that thrives on helping other construction companies become successful. Thanks, Eugene, for being on the show. Thank you. Pleasure being here. How'd we do on that intro? Does that sum up your life in a... Two sentences or less? Pretty much, pretty much. So uh, after that, I guess we're done, right? Yep, that's it. <laughs> no, oh, I've got, we've got questions. We've got lots of questions. Um, no, we, we appreciate it. I'd like to stalk our guests a little bit. And uh, it, rumor has it that you're from Seattle, Washington, and where you regularly skulk on the Straits of Juan de Fuca. Is there any truth to that rumor? Uh, you know, haven't been to Straits of Juan de Fuca in a while, but uh, yes, visited there. Is are you close uh, yes. to that? Uh, uh, I mean, uh, last time we uh, traveled through the waters uh, was a couple of years ago, going up to uh, Victoria, uh, BC. But uh, yeah, no, uh, mostly east uh, east side of Seattle. Okay, uh, Bellevue Redmond. Uh, it's where we're based. Uh, our projects are ranging uh, all pretty much all over the metro area. Uh, recently, mostly down south on the south end uh, of um, Seattle. And, and Seattle's got its own ecosystem. It's just a, a very interesting place for, for people who aren't from Seattle. We have a hard time understanding the allure of it, but everybody I know that's ever been there say it's beautiful. The weather's kind of whatever, but it's just got this own ecosystem. Have you lived there your whole life or did you move there? You, did you go back and leave somewhere and come back to it? It feels like I've been here my whole life, uh, definitely more than half of my life. I was actually born and raised uh, in uh, Moscow, Russia, and uh, finished high school there and then uh, moved here to uh, go to college and state. Well, I'm going to say that Glenn's going to fail his stalking class nope. because... Uh... <laughs> I found that nugget I, because one of the things is that he is, it says he has a second language of Russian. I was like, well, how did that come about? Well, that explains it all. So... Again, intriguing. Right. Uh, when you moved here, did your parents were here too? Everybody moved or just you? I moved with my parents. Okay. Uh, some family uh, was already here, so that's why we chose Seattle, just because my aunt and an uncle was already here. And uh, But yeah, it's uh, I, recently, you know, in the last couple of years, due to politics, I don't like talking about it just because people get all you know oh, political yeah. about it. But, you know, 
Truth is truth. <laughs> you, you know, it's it's great because uh, you know one of the, probably the hardest things of coming to the country at your age is probably assimilating to the language and culture and all those things. It's had to be so different. But I couldn't. I would never have known that because you can't tell you on your accent. That's that's awesome. Was it hard to get rid of your accent? I, I feel I still have some, uh, you know, maybe before I wake up, well, you know, that's why I'm working on my coffee. But uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I started learning English when I was, uh, what, eight, I think, uh, just, you know, taking like second language in uh, school. Uh, by the time I graduated high school, I could pretty much understand most things Then I came to America and uh, started talking to people. And I'm like, holy crap, I don't understand anything that people are oh saying. Oh, my gosh. Like th- this is not the language that they taught us. So, you know, yeah, it took some, took some time, took some time to get used to the accent and uh, like uh, some practice. I'm telling you the, the context and the inflection and the slang would has to be impossible because you probably learned it the proper way. And then you come over here and it, we don't talk like that. It's gotta be. Pretty oh, I mean, starting from words like awesome that they don't teach you in the, <laughs> you know, second language yeah. class. Mm-hmm. Like, what is that? You know, my first experience in admissions um, office at uh, University of Washington here, I asked a question and the gal goes, how come? I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> I understand the words, but what does that mean? <laughs> so, you know, what we always try to figure out is how people get where they got there. And again, I'm going to jump. That's, I'm, that's a few questions down the road. But did your did your parents like what made them decide that they wanted to come to America because your aunt or they just they had an opportunity because what year would that have been when you came here? Well, that was mid nineties. We moved in ninety six. Ninety six. Wow. Uh, er, yeah, early to mid nineties was a very difficult time back there. Mm-hmm. So, um, a lot of our family uh, have uh, been moving uh, out of uh, the country. Some went to Israel. Some moved to uh, the U.S. We have a lot of family in Boston. Uh, this part of the fam- family ended up in Seattle, so we chose Seattle funny how you end up there and did your parents what was there when they came did they have work right away or how you just obviously started college when you came here right but did they they started their company i guess that was the the whole uh, gis they started that your dad uh, well so yeah he started gis back in russia back in uh 92 okay. uh so he that business is still alive uh, somewhat uh, but, uh, so he kept, uh, going back and forth. Uh, I mean, we bought a few properties here, uh, along the way. And, uh, yeah, when I uh, got done with college, I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do construction. <laughs> he was a contractor. Okay. Uh, he wasn't so much a developer. He was a contractor. Uh, I had a lot of interesting projects, uh, that I kind of grew up, uh, following, but, uh, yeah, no, I got done with college and I'm like, no, I don't want to go into construction. It's too messy. It's too stressful. I'm going to go into finance because it wasn't stressful. Uh, did you, did you work in construction while through college? Did you, did your dad employ on projects and things like that or no? No, no, not officially. Okay. I mean, I was, uh, kind of sitting in meetings all the time, you know, my summers, uh, breaks, I would be involved and in just helping out, you know, looking over, I don't know, Excel sheets, uh, looking over the documents, uh, you know, sorting papers. So I was kind of always in the mix. I knew what was going on. I knew uh, the process. Uh, I knew all the people, um, but not formally. You weren't like labor, you know, like schlepping uh, no. concrete and running, pulling wires and stuff. So he, at that point, he was not, he was more like a, he had the subs doing all that and he kept you on this side of the business side of it. Right. Okay. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. The clean okay. side. Yeah. <laughs> 
which is good and bad, right? There's a lot of satisfaction breaking down stuff and building stuff, but at the same time, whew, it breaks the body down, right? I mean, whew. It, it truly does. Yeah, it truly does. <laughs> you know, it's um, the the family business that, and you know, when I'm looking at your bio here and, and you go to University of Washington and you're like, here you are, you're studying English, you're doing what you do in Russia, you move to Seattle and you're like, I am going to go to University of Washington and I'm going to do econ. How do you pick econ? I didn't get into business school. <laughs> ah, because I'm like, no rational person thinks of that unless they're going to work for the government or university. So I'm like, how did so, you pick it? Yeah. You know, at the time, it's funny. I uh, usually don't say that, uh, but I figured I'll be honest this morning. Uh, <laughs> Excellent. Uh, right. Uh, so I, um, a few years ago, read a book. I forget the name of it, but um, it was talking about uh, just broad education and uh, good foundational background. And uh, they said economics was actually one of the best uh, degrees, college degrees, that gives you the broadest uh, foundation for whatever you want to do in life. And of course, at the time, I didn't think about that. Mm -hmm. uh, at the time, uh, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I actually started out pursuing uh, computer science. And uh, I took a bunch of math classes, physics classes, uh, early uh, computer science. And I think my uh, uh, CS second left. So I uh, finished the first quarter, then started taking second quarter of uh, programming. And that broke me. I uh, was sitting there writing some code for, God. I don't know, two nights straight. And then uh, after a second all night, I'm like, this is stupid. I found a miss. The code wasn't working. I couldn't uh, couldn't see why. And it wasn't working because I missed a comma. Some something, you know, 20,000 pages prior before. Right. Yeah, exactly. It? And I'm like, this isn't for me. This is too tedious. I I see the big picture. I like solving problems, but sitting here writing code is just not for me. So I uh, didn't pursue computer science, uh, started applying, figured I'd apply to business school. And uh, UW actually had a separate admission process to their business school. And so uh, at the time, English was my weakest spot. I mean, I, I was fine uh, in math, but uh, writing essays and uh, explaining what I wanted to do wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't for me. So I uh, didn't get enough scores to uh, get into business school and uh, School of Econo Economics wasn't part of the business school. So I'm like, OK, well, that's close enough. Uh, so that's uh, that's how I got it with a ended up with a degree in econ. And then I ended up going back uh, a few years later and got my MBA, got into Foster, um, actually took an evening program. I continued working full time uh, for the small investment firm uh, here in Bellevue. And uh, yeah, I got my MBA. So uh, in the at the end, I'm like, that was actually the best decision. I'm glad I didn't get uh, didn't get an undergrad business uh, because MBA is so much more useful. Um, You're speaking but, Julie's yeah, language. I think you did something like that, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when you go through something like that, you get so much real world experience from your peers and oh, yeah. it's not necessarily the textbook learning that everybody talks about, right? Like it's, right. oh, wow, you just went through that same situation that I'm dealing with wherever you may be and taking just little nuggets from everybody and uh, helps to really build who you are and where you want to go. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I couldn't. I, I I don't even know how I made it through college. And the thought of going back for something else was like, I'm like, I just got to give the CPA test. And that was brutal enough. And I'm like, I'm so glad I'm done. And it's a lot. Uh, that's what Julie does. She takes care of those those operational type things. So that's yeah. been wonderful. Um, so when you got your MBA, what was your goal with that? What did you see yourself doing? Um, 
while so <laughs> my admission uh, essay uh, i was talking about uh, launching a new uh, broker dealer firm uh, so that was still uh, we were still in the hangover of uh, the dot coms um i started in what 2001 i think yeah the market just crashed mm -hmm. and uh half of our uh, students because i was in the evening program half of our students lost their jobs and started taking up a bunch of uh day classes so that they could at least graduate earlier uh, since they didn't have a job but anyway my admission essay i wanted to start a new uh, type of a broker dealer i wanted to create some new efficient and computerized uh, trading and investing platform and it all sounded great i was thinking like a like a tech startup uh, here in seattle and uh during my last year of uh mba my uh dad calls me and he has and he goes so there's a project I got introduced to it's uh, all the way in uh, Hungary in Budapest. Uh, he goes, there's an investment opportunity uh, that I'm thinking of investing, but also uh, there's an opportunity for us to set up a um, branch of our construction office. I'm like, okay, well, that sounds cool. He goes, they sent me this uh, huge stack of uh, financial documents, projections, and they're all in English. He goes, do you mind taking a look at it and let me know what you think? So he sends me the stack of papers. I look at them, um, call him back. I'm like, man, you know, on the surface, at least from what I'm seeing, it uh, really looks like an attractive project. He goes, well, that's cool. Uh, so I'm flying over there next week uh, to meet with uh, these potential partners. He goes, do you mind joining me? Just help me out in the meeting. And there's a group of partners. Some spoke Russian, some spoke English, uh, some spoke Hungarian. And so there's uh, there could potentially be a language barrier. My dad speaks good English, but uh, uh, not as good as mine. So he asked me to join him for a meeting. I'm like, okay, sure, that's fine. I'll fly out to uh, Hungary. Uh, so one meeting after another meeting after another set of documents, uh, he's getting close to making a decision to invest into the project. And then he calls me. He goes, so I think I'm going to do it. He goes, we're going to need to set up an office there. He goes, if only I had somebody I could trust. Not enough O's and smooth. Your dad's smooth. God love him. I was wondering how this happened. Keep going. So I'm like, okay, okay. I suppose I could go. <laughs> I still have one quarter left uh, at UW. And I'm trying to remember what I did. I think I took an extra class um, before, uh, during the fall quarter, so that I could. And then I took an online class. I, I forget the details. But anyway, I was able to uh, uh, get out about... Uh, four months before the program was done, I got enough credits, uh, got on a plane. Uh, that was, uh, what, January or February of 2003, and, or 2004, and uh, ended up in uh, Budapest, country that speaks absolutely nothing. crazy language, yep. uh, has nothing in common with any other languages that I knew. Uh, and uh, but it was kind of a cool experience, uh, fun city, a lot of history there, and um, yeah, that's how I joined the family business. So, how did you navigate that obviously communication barrier? You know, it was interesting. Uh, so Hungary, because it was uh, part of the Blocks. you know old communist bloc mm -hmm. for so many years, a lot of older people spoke Russian, uh, and then uh, most younger people would speak English. 
Okay. So between English and Russian, I was able to navigate um, over there. All of our partners, they spoke English, uh, so that was easy. The staff that we hired, we brought uh, brought in a guy from Russia, one of our construction managers, uh, to move over there. And then we hired a couple of other uh, Russian-speaking uh, people in Budapest, and that's how we set up the office. Uh, but yeah, navigating around the country was funny. People from like uh, mid-30s to mid-40s, that was the hardest because they didn't speak any other foreign language. Uh, but anybody uh, younger than that or older than that wasn't a problem. Did you find because, you know, of the, you know, how the politics were in the region for the prior 40, 50 years and then it changed, was there any hostility towards you as being Russian or have you guys compensated that because you've already been an American and came back and like, were you associated in any negative context? Because I feel like that would be a huge barrier to try to overcome you know, on probably the old school, right? The younger people probably were like, whatever, but the old school, was that, was that a thing? Sometimes. Okay. Uh, I mean, not, uh, I didn't experience it at work. Okay. Uh, socially, sometimes, you know, you go out to, I don't know, a store restaurant and uh, uh, trying to figure out what language to speak. Usually default for us would be English uh, when we try to speak to mm -hmm. uh, people outside. Uh, most restaurants, uh, like servers, would speak English, uh, so that's always the default. But sometimes we'd have to switch to Russian. We get, you know, uh, some comments in Hungarian that we wouldn't understand. That, uh, by by the uh, look in their in their eyes, probably weren't very positive. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't walk in and say, "Hey, we're from Russia. We're here to help." You can't really say that. You have to say it in right. a different way, and then that would probably. Agree. But again. That's the cool thing about the uh, human experience, and what's great about like the American experience is that once you can break down a barrier, everybody really they're human. They just want to work together, right? And they just want to exactly. get good projects. And back to your getting sucked in with your with your dad. I mean, th that's genius because family businesses are brutal, right? Like it, it's not your first choice because you watch what he had to go through. But again, how do you trust the right person? And you go do it, and then you were had a great opportunity to be able to go do that thing. How long did you stay over there for? Uh, a little under a year. Okay. Uh, so we moved there in February, came back in December. The project actually never happened uh, no due to due, due to local politics. Uh, the uh, partners were never able to get the building permit. Uh, when we moved, uh, the permit was imminent. And then uh, it was a very cool site, uh, historical preservation, uh, reconstruction of uh, historical sites. So there was federal government involved and local government involved. And... Uh, uh, we didn't know who to somehow, get the kickback to. That's how I know how that yeah, works. That's the hardest part. So, exactly. Somehow there, there was a contract with the federal government. Uh, there was supposed to be a permit from uh, the local municipality. And uh, uh, in uh, for some reason, that never uh, came to be. So we moved back. Uh, our partners were actually in litigation with the, the government there for many years. Uh, they ended up winning nice. the case. It took about, I don't know, almost 10 years to win uh lawyers got paid well uh, always we got we, we we got paid a little bit <laughs> but uh is it a safe assumption to say that your dad was you know when you're an entrepreneur you're kind of either doing business or building a business is it safe to say that your dad recognized that he was probably doing business and he needed to convert to be that entrepreneurial and be running a business where he's an investor not out there grinding things out and he recognized that you probably acquired that skill set with your MBA program and, and drop of a hat running to Romania and, and doing that for him. Do you think he saw the potential in you to say, Hey, you could turn this company into something amazing or did he already have the amazing company and you were just added on to that? 
Uh, he had a pretty good company. He uh, he was uh, still is very entrepreneurial. Uh, whenever he sees uh, possible opportunities, uh, he jumps into them. Um, you know, a lot of times we have to, uh, you know, kind of mm-hmm. slow him down. Like, hang on, let's figure it out. Let's see how it's done. Uh, but yeah, I mean, a uh, number of years ago, what probably about 20 years ago, uh, he shifted from uh, just actively running every single operations because at that by then he already had a manufacturing facility. He had uh, an architectural firm, design firm. He had um, uh, several construction divisions and uh, he recognized that he can't be running them all. Uh, so uh, he started bringing in people uh, to specifically operate and yeah with my mbm I'm sure he recognized that uh now of course uh knowing what i know now i would have never hired myself <laughs> who who hires a kid straight out of college to run a new division that's just stupid it's potential it's potential <laughs> you were hungry i'm sure for you know to learn to figure it out and sometimes i think the further you're out of school or the older you get right you kind of lose a little bit of that so so you're in hungry nothing's happening so you come back now what uh so before i came back uh he bought a property uh, here in bellevue and i kind of started uh evaluating it running some numbers while i was still in hungary uh, to see if we could uh develop a project here it was a partnership uh with um uh, another gentleman the property owner um the, the initial ideas were it was a small piece of land um about uh, 4,500 square feet, uh, downtown Bellevue, which was a growing uh, suburb of Seattle uh, with a few high rises. Um, we started looking at what we could build there. It was zoned for mixed use residential. So we're like, well, we know residential. Uh, we could probably develop something. So when the project got canceled in Hungary, I packed up, moved back and uh, jumped uh, right into this uh, deal. Um, you know, we uh, hired an architect, we uh, uh, ran an appraisal, we uh, hired all the surveyors and, you know, started going with the development process. Mm-hmm. Now, I'd never done that before. Um, I, uh, since my focus was always on finance, I was pretty good with Excel uh, and uh, was running all the projections. And uh, so the way we started the business is uh, by business here is by uh, just hiring a bunch of consultants. So we had a ton of consultants uh, that we've engaged, and um, that was our first project. Um, so at this point, we, had you come to terms that you were probably not doing what your admissions essay was on in your MBA, or were you still holding on to that? Oh, no, I forgot about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, well, I mean, so that was, remember, that was, I wrote that while we were still kind of uh, on the rise. It was the uh, year 2000. The market was just soft, but it didn't quite crash. It was before 9-11, uh, right? So dot-coms were at the peak. So that's when mm-hmm. I wrote the essay. When I got into the program, uh, that's when the world uh, ended. Uh, effect, effectively for that period of time. So um, the whole tech uh, revolution uh, was uh, abandoned. And um, I uh, I mean, I still thought that I'd stay in financial services. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, no, after a year in Hungary and after kind of uh, working with uh, my father for a while, uh, it just seemed like that would 
be the thing that I'd uh, stay here to do. Well, and besides, uh, uh, things were stacked up for me so that uh, when I came back, there's already a project waiting and I couldn't just say, no, I'm not going to run it. You know, since there's a project, uh, we we got to figure out how to get it built. I think that uh, I think your dad's smarter than we. Yes, he's he's genius. <laughs> but but to that point, I think the the key thing where is you know as an entrepreneur and trying to grow and do what needs to be done, it's so hard to trust somebody and hand it off and and know that they're going to get it done. And that's you know that's in every place in the world. But in you know I would imagine in Russian culture, it's hard to trust people, right? And here, it's hard to trust people in America, and. Right knowing that, you know, you're there as an, you know, you came over, you're not plugged in as much as you would want to be for him to be able to trust you. And then you had to then go and give other people trust you. I mean, that's, that's hard to do, but he knew that you could do that. And, and that was a lot to have him give up that control right. for you. And, and guess what? You didn't shirk from it. You just jumped in and said, I got it, which right. is very yeah, I mean, hard. the hardest, honestly, the hardest part, I was in my what mid twenties, mm-hmm. uh, running a business, uh, walking into all these uh, professional offices to look at you like a kid, like, what are you doing here? What's he know? Uh, you, you, you want to design a, a building, a tower and like, come on, get out of here. So that, that was the hardest thing to overcome. Um, you know, the stereotype, the, 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 the biggest lesson from, uh, that, uh, uh, from that time uh, of my father's, he's like, look, all you got to do is dress to impress, uh, you know, put up a suit and uh, walk in there and uh, talk about what you know and uh, ask questions. And so that's, I mean, that's what I used to do. I look at the pictures from, uh, you know, mid 2000s. I'm uh, wearing a suit. I'm here in Seattle, right? Nobody's dressed in a up. Suit. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I had my uh, suit of sports coat. And uh, when do you think, you know, so to do that, it, as an entrepreneur, you're, you, it takes a little bit of a swag to have that. Is that swag something you had just because of how you grew up, because of the transition over to Seattle, the transition back to Romania, the transition back over here? When did you develop the confidence to just say, look, I, the answer is yes, I'll figure it out later. How, how did you, when did that hit you? Like, you're like, I am the man, I belong here, I can do this. When did that happen? Maybe he was born with it. That's what I'm wondering. That's because some people aren't, some people aren't, right? No, I mean it's a it's a good question. Uh, I I don't know how to answer that. I think uh, maybe I was born with it. Uh, I think going back, I was like in my what teens uh, when we got our first computer, and I was uh, messing around with it, like playing video games, you know, whatever uh, basic video games we had. And uh, my family was like, "Look, at least learn how to like operate that thing." I'm like, "Well, how do I learn this?" and Nobody knew how to, there were no, we didn't have books on how to figure out computers, right? What they do or how to write code or how to even just use basic uh, software. And uh, my way of learning was just uh, clicking buttons and see what happens. Uh, I figured I shouldn't be able to break it that right. easily. So uh, so that was, that's always been my way of learning. It's just, it's just uh, you know, click a button, see what happens and uh, expect that I don't know anything. So you're curious. And, uh, right. And to this yeah. day, my expectation is I don't know anything. Um, you know, I'll just uh, go in and uh, start figuring it out. So that's terrifying for most people. You know, as an entrepreneur, that's the mindset you kind of have to have. Um, is it was you think then you made that switch right then at that time? Or like, I'm just going to be curious about things and see what happens? Or were you more 
well, I'll do this, but I'm really not sure about that, right? It, you know, some people are cold turkey. They just go change over and other people, it takes a few steps of success and then they're like, okay, now I'm over there. You feel like it was just a thing and then there you were, or you, did it take some time? I, I don't think I'm still there. I'm, I'm, <laughs> but, but I mean, you're still curious. Every, every time, well, look, every time we have a challenge, I don't, I don't know the answer. I don't know how to get there. I I don't know if we're going to get there, but the only way to find out is to make the first step. And that's uh, that's how I uh, operate is, uh, you know, when I uh, when I see a challenge, my uh, one of my favorite phrases and people in the company hate me for saying that. I'm like, it's not rocket science. We can figure it out. And they're like, some of these issues are pretty damn complicated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm like, well, I mean, how hard could it do be? This, and yeah. then we'll do that and then we'll we'll figure out how to get there. Well, I think that's probably the the premise too, is that once you assume the responsibility of taking on the project, you just know that if you don't know it, you're going to find somebody that does. You're just kind of like, you're going to make sure it gets done. You may not have to know it all, but you're going to take ownership of that. And I think that's a big nugget for our entrepreneurial audience that you don't have to know everything. You just have to know where to look. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and our uh, specialty for a while has been, and probably still is, doing projects that are difficult uh that are um you know critical areas steep slopes uh, wetlands or have some sort of challenges unusual challenges and we kind of pride ourselves in solving these problems uh and that kind of stems from that mindset is that um yeah maybe nobody knows how to solve this problem and uh, we're going to figure it out it seems like uh, uh, oh sorry go ahead I was just going to say, uh, what I'm finding now is in a lot of cases, even professionals with years of experience, a lot of times don't know how to solve certain problems. Uh, and you're kind of sitting there, you know, it's kind of like going to the doctor's office and the doctor's looking at you and says, I don't know what's wrong. Right. And you're like, aren't, aren't you the person who's supposed to? I mean, it happens a lot, right? When they're like, well, we could try this, we could try that, but we don't really know. And so that's... Uh, what we're dealing with a lot of times. They call it the doctor's practice, the lawyer's practice, the accountant's practice. We're practicing because it changes all the time. And can you pivot and adjust to that, right? Yeah. I mean, it seems like early on, you really had that light bulb moment of that you needed to surround yourself with people who were probably smarter than you, especially, you know, in the early beginning. But as you've gone through your, your career and your journey, was there ever a time where it was just really imperative that you build a team and what have you learned as you've gone through your journey about building teams and surrounding yourself with those people absolutely well i mean especially as we started scaling um and uh, growing the construction division um i mean it became apparent i'm not a builder you know i uh my favorite phrase is i know enough to be dangerous but i uh you know I don't know enough. So uh, absolutely, uh, building a team, bringing in the people um, that know how to get the stuff done uh, was, is imperative. And the hardest thing about it is finding the people who truly know how to get things done, especially in the last uh, what, decade, the labor market has been absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. Construction market over here has been insane. It's literally impossible to find uh, construction professionals um it's hard to compete with the giants uh, with unlimited uh, you know funds and unlimited marketing uh that throw into uh, advertising positions so it's it's been difficult the, the hardest part has been attracting talent but you know what's funny about what as i'm putting all this together what you're saying is you know you you're ac- actually you know 
you're more of an artist and you're a visionary to see a project and go, we can make that be happen, but they're not easy projects. They're hard projects. And most craftsmen don't want to just slay two by fours all day. They want to create and build something because that is that inner side of them. So I think you've probably acquired a team of, of workers and such and teammates that they like the hard projects. It challenges them, gives them fulfillment. And then you get to see that vision and, and challenge them, makes them better, makes you better and makes the client probably really happy is if I were to guess. Right. I mean, we, uh, you know, we scale up, scale down, uh, staff up, uh, depending on the project's demands. Uh, and, uh, yeah, sometimes we promote, uh, from within, sometimes we, uh, shrink down and, uh, you know, let, uh, let everybody go and uh, start over. Uh, you know, the core right now, the core is just the family. It's, uh, my sister has joined the company, uh, right out, uh, out of college back in, I forget, 04, 05. Uh, her husband now, uh, is a member of our team. So the three of us is kind of the core here that runs the company and then everything else. Yeah, we um, we're fluid in that regard, uh, and uh, sometimes uh, you know, sometimes I feel feel like best person to get things done is myself, and uh, I jump in and get it done. Sometimes we uh, hire consultants um, or bring in a full time. You know, it's uh, the family business and becoming an entrepreneur. You know, was your dad always had his own business or did he start doing that later in his life? When did he decide? Did he work for somebody, then start his own business? How'd that happen? Because a lot of times as a, as a, as a kid watching your parent do their entrepreneurial journey and struggle, it usually pushes off a certain segment that I don't want any part of that. And then other ones are like, Oh, I love that struggle. And then they want to, and they gravitate for it. But right. again, it says sometimes you know, did your dad say, I'm done with having a real job. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Or did he always have those tendencies and you just kind of like got sucked in as, as we say. But Glenn, I think to that point, there's different, I think it's just different perspectives that people have as they grow up. So you may see it as a struggle where someone may see it as invigorating and watching the people, you know, go through those ups and downs, those hills and, you know, whatever you call it. But I, I think honestly, it's up to each individual kid, as you would say, about how they perceive, you know, what their parents are doing and what they're going through. Right. I mean, uh, my father's always been entrepreneurial, even working for a government job. I mean, uh, keep in mind where he grew up, uh, there was no private uh, employment. You couldn't have a business uh, right until uh, what, 91. So he was working for his government job, but he's always had some side hustles. Uh, he was always trying to do more and uh, make more money and uh, become better and i mean he grew up the ranks and the management uh, uh where he worked but then as soon as he could uh, start a business he started a business uh so uh, i obviously grew up around that so definitely mm -hmm. uh rubbed off uh but right now uh i can't imagine doing anything else i can't no. imagine working for a corporation uh you know uh, but uh, I just had a conversation with my daughter the other day and we talked, uh, we're talking about family business. She's 16 and she's like, I wouldn't want to work in a family business. She's like, that sounds terrible. You guys always talk about work. Mm -hmm. She goes, I don't want to talk about work at a dinner table. I'm like, well, it's not work. It's life. She's like, no, I don't want that. I'm like, okay, well you'll figure it out. <laughs> she, she, she will. Uh, you know, it's how many kids do you have? I have three, okay. I have three, two older daughters and a son. You know, the, uh, trying to figure out 
on this on this journey of what this looks like, you know, for like an end game, or is it just keep going, like you said, because it's just part of who you are at this point. Like, how do you get out of this? And there's really is no ever going to get out of it, probably. But I don't know. Is it something you want to build this thing and sell it? Does it depend on what your kid's going to do? Or are you just going to keep milking this thing and keep doing your thing? Because when you think about the opportunity that you've been provided to be able to be in the right place at the right time in the U.S. where this is encouraged, it's very hard, but it's encouraged and the path is there versus where you came from where it was really, really almost impossible to do it. Like that's a great opportunity that, again, people probably just don't even understand that there is the opportunity here to do it and here you are slaying it. When When is it going to end? Are you just going to keep going or, you know, build it and sell it or just keep rolling with it? Well, see, the thing about real estate is it's really project dependent. And that's why I'm looking at it. Uh, I have these thoughts. Uh, can we ever get to a point where this development company becomes, uh, I don't know, some sort of a, uh, ongoing business uh, with uh, history and uh, systems in place and you know new acquisitions, new development, new liquidations to the point where we could just package it up and sell it? And I uh, I haven't figured out how to get this done yet. Most development companies um, that I know, they're so project dependent that when the projects end, Over. there's really no business. So as long as we keep acquiring new uh, projects, as long as we keep uh, uh, doing new partnerships and our acquisitions for us a few years ago, we switched to uh, 100% partnership model. Uh, we don't like acquiring land uh we and it started out kind of out of uh, selfish reasons but uh it turned into a, an opportunity uh the way we acquire new projects is by partnering with property owners uh and uh you know opportunities keep coming and as long as we keep running them um you know the business is there at some point maybe we could put people in place that they could just uh keep doing what I'm doing and what my family is doing so that we could kind of step up and uh, be above that. Uh, but I haven't figured that part out yet. Is it, it's, it isn't it fun instead of being the owner of a hundred percent of all the things you do that you partner with people and help bring them up with you. I mean, that's gotta be pretty rewarding when you get good partners and, and they get to be part of the process, spread that risk a little bit, but you're bringing everybody with you on the rising tide versus just, it's all about you guys. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's uh, that's what the model is all about is uh, there's so many uh, people that uh, have developable properties, uh, either, uh, you know, they inherited the property from, uh, you know, relatives or they uh, got into uh, they figured that maybe they could buy a land and develop it. There's so many um, foreign investors here that bought a properties and uh, hired an architect and said let's develop something and then quickly realized that it's uh, quite a bit more complicated than just hiring an architect uh and so that's uh, uh that became a niche of itself um that you know we'd get calls from architects saying hey there's uh, a development opportunity uh you should really step uh, step up and uh, help these guys out most of the requests that come to us is somebody who uh, has development ambitions they don't really know how to finance their deal and so uh, we come in and we help them uh, with fundraising. We help them get the project funded. I would look on the internet. It seems real easy. I don't know why you're making it so hard. It just says you got to do these couple of things and it's done to develop a project. I don't get that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> coming, coming from the CPA seat over right. there. Um, no. So one question we like to ask our guests, what is your superpower? My superpower? I'm pretty mean with Excel. <laughs> I could tell. 
so every time we do a project, uh, I uh, run performance myself. I mean, I usually have somebody start it out, but then I quickly uh, put them aside and just take over and uh, uh, running. So delegating is not your superpower. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, I'm working on that. <laughs> but, uh, no, but specifically, uh, the reason is uh, to know the project. You really know. Uh, you really need to know uh, how uh, pieces uh, get put together, and uh, that Excel model is uh, everything for me. Uh, and so that's why I typically spend a lot of time myself uh, working with the numbers, understanding the numbers, so that when I uh, go out to investors when i go out to lenders when i uh, speak to a uh, construction design team i understand uh, where uh, things are put together it's funny when i was hiring um, a couple of years ago we were hiring a new uh, controller and um, one of the questions i asked is how well do you know excel and they're like well i know excel pretty well i'm like okay on a scale of one to ten they're like well probably like an eight and i'm like okay well what's the most complex function in excel or feature that you've worked with and based on that answer, I actually know how well they know it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like a one, but I but I love it. I love I'm, it. I'm a negative. I don't even like to open it on my computer. Um, what is your end game? I know we kind of alluded to this and, you know, obviously you're trying to figure some of those things out. But where are you? What do you, what do you want to do? Um, I think the end game is to, uh, so uh, the two major divisions that we have is uh, construction and development. And uh, right now, our construction division is pretty much 100% dependent on the development division, uh, on the projects that we bring. And the development is, division is uh, pretty much 100% dependent on uh, the core ownership team to uh, propel the business forward. So the end game is to have two divisions self-sustaining, meaning uh, to have all the systems in place where construction team uh, can have its own uh, management, uh, its own process, and uh, could go out and bid on projects independently. And be if if the development division uh, stops bringing in projects, I want the construction company to survive and uh, have their own, uh, you know, exist based on their own merits. Uh, and then the development uh, group uh, is uh, working on. Uh, 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 the new fundraising platform right now so that we could always have access to uh, fundraising or uh, funds uh, for new projects. And then uh, we already have, uh, you know, some sort of a backlog pipeline of uh, new partnerships come in from property owners, but I would like to uh, strengthen that. Uh, and I think once all of these places uh, are uh, filled and that machine is working, uh, then I could, you know, elevate myself uh, above that. And uh, hopefully then we can talk about packaging up and uh, selling it or, um, you know, transitioning into some other form. So that was really a trick question. And I loved your answer. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I still think you're going to be dabbling in Excel and making sure everyone's doing everything they're kind of supposed to be. And even as you package it up and let it go, I don't see you fully stepping away because you're so immersed into it. And you can just tell you have a passion and it definitely is fulfilling to you and what you're doing. Oh, absolutely. I'm, so there's no look, end game. 
as a as a business owner, you're always involved. I mean, maybe I'm just uh, the unique uh, idiot here, but uh, I'm involved yeah. in uh, everything. You know, the other day, uh, locks weren't working right at the building, and I uh, drove out there with a screwdriver, took it apart, and uh, you know, try to figure out what's uh, going on there. It's just, it's just how it works. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Well, it has been a, a pleasure uh, talking with you today. I appreciate you taking your time, Eugene. And I don't know if you want to give it a little plug of your companies or whatever, just real quick, we can throw something in there if you like. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, GIS uh, companies, uh, GIS development, uh, the website is uh, giscompanies.co. Uh, we're in all social media, uh, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, um, uh, Instagram, and our uh, core business is uh, multifamily, single-family development. So partner with property owners. So if you got a property uh, that you're trying to sell, don't try to sell it. Uh, right now is perfect time to uh, develop it. So uh, give us a call. Well, that's awesome. I really appreciate you being on the show, EG. And I think I can call you that now. So we're good. He's been waiting oh, yeah, <laughs> all episode to do that. Well, thanks. Another good one, Julie. Great talking, everyone. And we'll see you later. Thank you, guys. Pleasure being here. At Harper & Company CPA Plus, we just don't care about the numbers. We care about helping you tap into the greatness of your entrepreneurial journey. You deserve a partner who has helped hundreds of businesses go from paying the bills to building the business and lifestyle of their dreams. Go to our website and download our free guide entitled Entrepreneurial Success Formula, How to Avoid Managing Your Business from Your Bank Account. The link is in this episode's show notes.